And welcome to the second service today. We're glad that you're here. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate our, our teaching team so much and uh, all that they've been able to share with us. We've been going through the book of Revelation, or the seven churches of Asia Minor, and our team got together and we've, we've talked it over and prayed about it, and we've decided to just continue through the book of Revelation. So I'm starting back today with chapter 1, and we'll just, when we get to the seven churches, we'll, we won't go back over all of that, but we're going to deal with the whole uh, book of Revelations. And today we're going to be talking about, or in this, this series, are we living in the last days? I think that's what everybody is really wanting to know. We're wanting to know, you know, how close is it to the end? Are we living in the last days? We see things are happening. We see signs. Uh, but where does the Bible say, where do, you, where do we think we're at in these last days? And that's what we're going to be uh, covering. Uh, I want to start off with Revelations chapter 1, 1 through 3, and get right on into the text. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by an angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of the prophecy of this book and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take this word today, Lord, and that, God, that it be your words. God, that it not be mine, but it be yours, that you would cause us to hear what you want us to hear, that you would cause it to penetrate our heart and change us. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I think the wonderful thing, and I'm glad that we went through the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua, because we're going to pull from that. There's, there's you know, about four, five, six hundred verses of Scripture uh, in the book of Revelation from the Old Testament and the New Testament. So a lot of the stuff about the book of Revelation that we don't think we understand, we understand more than we think we do. We just got to dig out where it comes from. So uh, I want you to pray for the teaching staff that we would get and dig out what God wants us to have during this series. One of the things I've noticed and studying this already, uh, you know, Isaiah talks about there was a time where Satan, Lucifer, was cast out of heaven, and, and God saw him like a star falling from the sky. Uh, he was cast out of heaven. We know that Satan then, in the beginning in Genesis, uh, where Satan tempts Eve, and then Eve, uh, you know, she uh, has great effect on Adam, and so Adam... Uh, also partook in sin. And uh, so I want you to know something, though. There's two books in the Bible that Satan especially hates, and the two books that he especially hates is the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. And you say, well, why is that? Because it's in the book of, in the book of Genesis where Satan's doom is prophesied. He said, because you've done this to Eve and, and to Adam, that there's going to come a seed, uh, a seed of a woman, which was, you know, unusual. We finally found out it was the Virgin Mary, but there'd be the seed of the woman. And that seed, which is Jesus Christ, he would bruise Satan's head. And uh, we know that that would happen on the cross of Jesus. So that was the beginning of Satan's uh, 
uh, you know, he rendered him powerless. And, you know, the, the Adam had gave up the, uh, uh, Adam had, he was able to rule and reign over this earth. But he relinquished that to Satan. And we find later that the Bible says Satan is the god of this world. And so uh, we find, though, that it was prophesied that one day his reign would be over. And in the book of Revelations, we find out that this prophecy is realized and that the power and everything's going to be taken away from Satan and he's going to be put in the pit. And so we couldn't just stop after the seven churches and not leave the book of Revelation until we get the devil in the pit. How many want to get the devil put in the pit? How many had you? he's had you put in the pit a few times? And you want to put him in the pit now. So uh, here's what we want to do. There, there, but the devil hates the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. One of the things back in my time in school, and, and it was a while back, but we used to get up at school every day and we would somebody would read a scripture and somebody would pray and then we'd pledge allegiance to the flag. And back then we believed in that God created the heavens and the earth, like this beautiful song they were singing. And then... About uh, in the 60s, they started talking about uh, humanism and that man, you know, we're the author of our own fate. And, uh, you know, we're the master of our own souls and all this garbage. And it was there that they began to say and had signs and protests that God was dead. Uh, the Beatles said they were more famous than God at one time. They say it was taken out of context, but they kind of did say that, more famous than Jesus Christ. Uh, signs saying God's dead. Uh, it was a time that they began to uh, teach evolution in the schools. And, you know, since that time, uh, we've seen uh, our schools and our nation go down uh, tremendously about moral values. And uh, this is it's, it's just a part of what is to take place. Uh, and so here's the thing I want you to see about these two books. In Revelation and Genesis, first in the last book, are tied together in a, in a wonderful way. In the words of another, uh, in the book of uh, Genesis, we see creation of the heavens and the earth. That was the creation, that God was the creator. Well, the devil don't want you to see him as the creator. So, you know, they've come up with this, that evolution. But Genesis talks about God being the creator of heaven and earth. In the book of Revelation, we see a new heaven and a new earth. So one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. In the book of Genesis, we see the first Adam who is reigning over the earth. In the book of Revelation, we see Jesus, the last Adam. He reclaims uh, that, and he's reigning in glory. In the book of Genesis, we see the earthly bride that was brought forth out of Adam's side. And uh, in Revelation, we see a heavenly bride. And folks, that's us. You know, when Jesus was on the cross and they stuck a spear in his side and blood and water came forth, that was the uh, him out of his side came the church. And the church was there, the 12 disciples. And, you know, it was like it was laying there dormant. And it's believed that on the day of Pentecost, the breath of the Holy Spirit came into the church and the church become the living bride of Christ. And the what is we find in Revelation before uh, I believe it's before the tribulation period. The rapture takes place, and we will find that uh, the bride of Christ, the church, is taken away, and we're going to go and forever be with the Lord. And that is not the second coming. That's the rapture. So we'll get into all those things. Uh, next week, I'll be getting into more of the last day's events.
but uh, it's something that this uh, last Adam, Jesus Christ, he's the restorer of everything that was lost through Adam. And so uh, we, we're going to see some wonderful things. And in, uh, in the book of Genesis, we see the beginning of, the, of death and curse in the book of, but in the book of Revelation, the Savior brings us to a state where there's no more death and there's no more curse. I mean, love to live in the world where there's no more curse. There's no more crying. There's no more dying. There's no more pain. All the former things are passed away. That's where we're headed, folks. I'm excited to get there. And in the book of Genesis, man is driven from the face of God because of their sins and their failures. But praise God in the book of Revelation, we shall behold the Lord as he is, and we shall see him face to face, and we'll see him in his glory. We'll see him in his glory. I want to tell you something. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, you, you, you think about this. Uh, the, uh, I, I'm going to play something for you. If I'd have got it to Jeff earlier, he'd have put it on the machine. But I'll just put it up here to this mic and you can hear it. But when I was a kid, I'd, we lived out in the boondocks in Florida. And uh, so I'd ride a bus for uh, about an hour to get to where I lived. The bus driver would let me out on a dirt road in an orange grove. And it was a mile I had to walk then on that dirt road to get home. But I, I was pretty good at running back then. And I would get out of the bus and I'd take off running and I would run home. And the reason I ran home so fast is because I couldn't wait to turn on that black and white TV with the rabbit ears with the aluminum foil on it. And, uh, and about the time I got it all adjusted and on, this right here came on. today, Superman. And I'm going to tell you, when I watched Superman, I wasn't interested in Clark Kent. You know, I got my contacts on, but I usually got them black rim glasses, and uh, you know, he had a black rim glasses, that had it like a businessman. I wasn't interested in Clark Kent. I was assuming he'd get out of the way. I wanted Clark Kent to get to that phone booth and take off that suit and bring out that Superman! And here's the thing. One of the reasons we need to go through the book of Revelation, some people's only vision of Jesus Christ is when he was a baby. You know in the movie uh, Talladega and, uh, where uh, he's praying and during the time of prayer he is uh, going over the, uh, uh, all the, his sponsors <laughs> And he gets down and he wants, he's praying to the baby Jesus, the eight pound, nine ounce or something like that, baby Jesus. That's what he related to. I don't like the older Jesus. I don't like the, I don't like the, 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 the Jesus that gets beat up. I don't like the Jesus that died on the cross. I like the baby Jesus because baby Jesus represents Christmas. But I'm going to tell you something. Some people, that's about as far as their revelation of Jesus gets. I had a friend of mine that we traveled across this state preaching a lot together. He was a, a black man, and I just wished I could preach like he did, really. <clears throat> and, uh, and so uh, I'm a little bit down in the monitors here, I guess. <clears throat> but uh, this guy was named Bruce Scott 
and he could really preach. And uh, so he would, uh, he would get up and uh, he would tell and try to help us understand uh, Jesus. And so he would say, you know, Jesus was fully man and he was fully God. Well, most of us really kind of get the fully man part. But he would take it, and the way he explained it, I loved. See, Mary was Jesus' mama, but Joseph was not Jesus' daddy. How many knows that? He was not his daddy. So what he would do is said, he would say, he would say, Jesus, he said, on my mama's side, sometimes I get hungry. But on my daddy's side, I'm the bread of life. And then he'd get back over here and he goes, now, sometimes on my mama's side, I get all thirsty. But on my daddy's side, I'm the living water. And he would go through this long spiel, and I just loved it. And I, then I'd have to get up and preach behind him. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the point there is made. Nobody ever watched Superman for Clark Kent. Everybody watched Superman for Superman. And I'm going to tell you, the reason that in these last days we need to get in the book of Revelation is you, you need, to, I'm glad you got a concept of the baby Jesus. And I'm glad you know that he came. And I'm glad you know that at 12 years old he was confounding people with his wisdom on his daddy's side. And, and, and that they said he spoke like a man has never spoken because he was, he was more than just a man. They just, you know, they kind of saw him as Clark Kent, but he was more than Clark Kent. And, and they didn't see him as he fully was. And, uh, but then, you know... They, they, they wanted him to go and take over at that time. They wanted him to take over the kingdom and, and uh, subdue Rome and, and take over. But, you know, instead of coming on a white horse, he was on a little, a little donkey, a little colt. And, you know, they, they didn't like the colt Jesus. They wanted the other Jesus, the one that's going to be coming in power and glory on the, on the white horse. And, you know, then their Jesus was captured and their Jesus was crucified and their Jesus was killed and put in a grave. They, they saw that as a weak Jesus, that they didn't understand what he was doing needed to come to pass, that it needed to happen, that he was redeeming us back with his own blood. They didn't get it, uh, they, they, but they wanted to see. You know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's a, a, anything to it, but about the time that Superman disappeared is when they got rid of them telephone booths. You know, and we don't have telephone booths anymore. We don't have Superman no more. But uh, I want you to know something in the book of Revelation. The reason the book of Revelation is so important is God wants you to see his son more than a baby Jesus. He wants you to see the pre-existent before time Jesus. The Jesus that could speak and the winds and the waves would obey his voice. The Jesus that would speak and the stars would be flung into heaven. The Jesus that would speak and the land and the sea would set. He wants you to see that Jesus in his glory because in these chaotic times, you're going to need to know that Jesus and the power of that Jesus to be comforted. See, the book of Revelation means apocalypse, which means the unveiling. We get the word apocalypse, but it means the unveiling. It's like a, a sculpture would make a great, uh, you know, sculpture, 
And, you know, they have a gathering and they bring all these people in and they have it covered. And then all at once at a certain time, you know, they may place something and they'll uncover and it would unveil it. And you would see the master, uh, what it, you know, what he had been working on for so long. I'm going to tell you what. Mary was proud of her baby Jesus. She was proud of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus, I know that you're more than just Jesus. I know you're more than just my boy. And there's this wedding going on. And, you know, you could, uh, you can turn that water into wine. And you could be a big deal at this wedding. And Jesus said, no, it's not my time. And said, come on, do one from your mama, you know. And so Jesus turned the water into wine. And, but it was beginning to be, that was his first miracle. But she knew that he was more than her baby. She knew that, and we need to know that he's more than just Mary's son. We need to know that he is God Almighty, and he wants to reveal that to us in this, in this book. And uh, see, the first time that he came, he came for a crucifixion. But he, when he comes again, he's going to come for a coronation. They're going to crown him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He came the first time to shame and disgrace but when he comes again, he's coming in splendor. He come the first time to a tree. But the next time uh, when he comes, he's coming, uh, you know, the first time he come to a tree. But the next time he comes, he's coming to a throne. He's going to be on the throne of God. We're going to see him on that throne ruling and reigning. When he came the first time, he stood before Pilate. But the next time he comes, Pilate's going to stand before him. It's going to be his judgment day. See, Jesus was abused then, and he's being abused today in our society. Jesus' name is nothing more than a byword, a curse word, in many, many uh, instances today uh, out among people. Uh, me and my wife was watching a, uh, just a regular TV commercial, and they were cursing in the commercial. And Sharon looked and goes, when would they just do that on a commercial? And we thought, that's just wild that our society is just... And people are slapping people and, and all kind of crazy stuff going on. What's going wrong with our world? And so he was scorned. He was neglected. He was spit on. Uh, but, you know, he, one day he's going to take his rightful place. Even back, uh, Joe Stowell of Moody Bible Institute, he brought this to everybody's attention after 9-11 when, when President Bush he had a national day of prayer at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. Most of the people watched it on the air, and uh, Billy Graham was also the speaker. But they sang a song there, and if you wasn't really thinking about it, you wouldn't have caught it. But they sung the song, the hymn, Mighty Fortress is Our God, at the National Cathedral. But they left out a verse. I want you to hear the verse that they conveniently left out. Did we... Our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We were not the right man, were it not for the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. And, uh, and they left that part out. Right after that, Billy Graham gets up and he speaks. And Billy Graham, after 9-11, he did not, you know, he didn't, uh, he, he let them have it. He told about Jesus Christ and him crucified. He didn't talk about many gods or, or whatever God you want to serve. He talked about Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And he preached a real sermon about Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you what they did. The National Public Radio, they omitted all that part where he's talking about Jesus as being 
the true God and dying on the cross for our sins. And they, they were asked about it, and they said, oh, we were changing the tape at that time. Now, uh, you, you know, you be the judge. I think the media was crooked back then, just like it is now. I think they started admitting, omitting things from our schools and our kids back then because we're not waiting to get to the Antichrist. The Antichrist is already here. I'm going to give you a verse of scripture in a, a little bit here that tells you in Jesus' day, they said that the Antichrist was there. There's an anti-Christ spirit. If you say very much about Christ on Facebook, they'll put you in Facebook jail. Well, Facebook jail is not like, you know, prison or nothing. Uh, you still get to be at home, but you can't be on Facebook. But uh, I'm telling you, there is an anti-Christian, anti-Christ spirit that's in the land and it's driven by Satan, Lucifer, that was cast out of heaven. He despises everything there is to be about God. He, he does not want you to know that God is the creator. He does not want you people to read the book of Genesis because it says he's going to be, his doom day is coming. And he don't like you reading the book of Revelation either. And so here's the thing I want you to see. I want you to see that one of the, the things uh, I want to bring up, I want you to see that Jesus is the central uh, person in this book. Jesus is the central person in this book, in the book of Revelation. The book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, is all about Jesus. It's not the revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. What are we going to learn in the book of Jesus Christ? We're going to learn about the preexistent Jesus Christ. We're going to learn about the all-powerful Jesus Christ. We're going to learn about the Jesus Christ that no devil, no demon, no men on black horses, red horses, or any other kind of horses are going to have any way, a sway on Jesus Christ. He is almighty, all-powerful, and he is large and in charge. Amen. So uh, here's the thing. When he came, that first time he came to be spit on a chain, but he's going to be glorified. And uh, he's going to be, it's going to be a great time. But Jesus is the central person in the book of Revelation. Uh, he is the one that the book of Revelation, every book of the Bible. If you're going to take Jesus Christ out of the Bible, you might as well throw your Bible away. Because he's in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. No, he's in every book of the Bible. In Genesis, he's the seed of woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our great high priest. And you can go through every book of the Bible. And Jesus is the central figure. He's the one. He's the one we should be worshiping and praising. All right, the second thing, not only is he the central person in the book, he's also the clear purpose of the book. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, here's the purpose. Here's the purpose, to show his servants, which is us, the things which must come to pass shortly. And to signify by the angel unto his servant John. What's the first four letters of, of signify? Sign, right? You've heard of signs and wonders in the last days, they will be signs and wonders. Well, sign right there, uh, what John saw, he couldn't even, you know, it was just a picture. It's like if you saw a picture, well, it, it looked blue and there was something in the middle and, and then something looked like a horse. And it, he was seeing pictures, signs. He was showed things sent and it was signified by an angel. And so John tells us what he saw. And not everything that he saw, the readers back then probably understood it far better than we did because a lot of that's translated already in the Bible. 
But here's the thing. If they're saying that's things that are soon to come to pass, uh, you got to understand that these seven churches, and I'm glad we went this way, the seven churches right there, uh, we started, you know, uh, with the church at Ephesus and went on over to the church of Laodicea. Last week, Jeff preached on the church of Laodicea, and that right there, if you thought of that, that is a, a church period. Uh, there's the beginning and you start with the beginnings back right up there, right around Christ. You get to the book of Laodicea. Well, I, th I think Jeff was right when he said the church of Laodicea, most, most you know, it looks like our day today, uh, where there's a lot of lukewarmness. There's a lot of people, there, they're not all into church anymore, and Christ anymore. The church of Laodicea. So if that seven churches represents, represents the church age, and we've already went through all these age periods. We're in the last one. That means we're in the last of the last eight days. If you were in Jesus' time, it was already the last days. It was the last. When the church age started, it was the last days. Uh, you'll find Apostle Paul talks about it. John talks about it. That was the last days. So it is properly right to say that we're living in the last days. They were living in the last days. But we can say, according to this pattern, we're in the last of the last days. We're in the last of the last days. And so the main purpose, what is the main purpose? Ephesians 1 and 11 speaks of him who worketh all things after the counsel of God's will. You know what's happening today? What God wills. What God wills. It's to let us know in, in a, a way as we look at the history of the Bible that God is in control. Even when you don't think he's in control, he's in control. God's always in control. And so, and he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So God is in control, and God is not up in heaven wringing his hands. God's not up there worried about what Putin's going to do. He's not even, he's not as concerned. Putin don't know it, but he is uh, doing what, I mean, he's being just led around like somebody with a nose ring. God knows, and God's going to drag him into a battle that's going to be one of the last battles that's, uh, that we're going to know, but it's coming up. The Holy Trinity never meets for an emergency session. <laughs> yeah. Father, Son, Holy, we need we to get there. We got an emergency. No, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit never has to do that. They know everything. Everything's planned out. They're not worried. And here's the thing. The third thing is that with this book of the Revelation, there is a promise. Revelation 1, 2, and 3. Who bear record of the word of God, of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and all things that he saw. And then here is the, the comforting promise. Blessed is he that readeth. If you just read the book of Revelation, the Bible said there's a certain blessing will be given to you. Just for reading it. So you might, if you need a blessing, go on and read the book of Revelation. You go, well, I don't think I understand all. It don't matter whether you understand it or not. Read it. There's a blessing that goes with it. And then he said, those that hear the words of that prophet, if you hear the words. And we've learned already that to hear is to heed the word of God. And so he says, the prophecy, you've you got to hear it, you've got to read it, you've got to hear it. And of this prophecy, keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. If the time was at hand, then where are we at now? So here is the blessing for, for those that read it. Matthew 11 and 15, he that have ears, let him hear, let him hear. Revelation 22 and 17, let him that heareth say come, and everyone say come, take of the water of life freely. So here's the thing, I'm going to give you a, a few 
things that will cause you to be blessed and why we need to study the book of Revelation more than anything else. Number one, the book of Revelation will unlock the mystery of history. It will unlock the mystery of history. Eastern religions, you ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Bill Murray gets up every day, same thing, same thing, same thing. There's some people, their religion's almost like that. They believe that, you know, you're born and, they, and you, you die and you come back as something else and you keep being reincarnated until you get better. It's circular. It just keeps coming around and around and around, kind of going in circles. And, uh, but God's word is linear. It's just like those churches right there. There is a beginning point, a middle point, and an ending point. And God knows the beginning, and he knows the ending. He knows everything in between. He's the first and the last. So just like God could tell you ahead of time what was going to take place in the last days of the Ephesus church, as we go through down the periods, you can look at those like, uh, you know, all the way up through. Uh, you, you can look at those time periods in the church age, they're neuro, Nero and some of those, and you can see what he's saying to those churches. Those churches are a, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ knew all about those churches. He knew what they were going through. He said, your, your church is built right at, the, at Satan's th seat. Uh, uh, and so he knew the churches. He knew what they needed. He knew, that, he knew that these churches during these troubled times needed a revelation of Jesus to be comforted. And so the history... Uh, of the Bible is not circular, but it's linear. It's moving toward a goal. How many has ever played checkers before? And my grandfather was really good at checkers. He could kind of just mess around, you know. He'd he'd move one out there, and he, you know, I take it. Oh man, I'm gonna beat Grandpa today. And then uh, he'd move a few more, and and I'd jump him. Look there, Grandpa. Look what I did. But some way or another, while he was letting me jump stuff. He, he was moving in a direction, really, and he would lead me to this side and that side of the board to capture a few of his men, but he'd go right over, and he'd get to the other side, and what would he say? King me. There is a God Almighty that's in control, and he's moving the events of time, and people are sidetracked by all the stuff going on, but Jesus is headed directly to the throne room. And God Almighty is going to shout from heaven, King my son! Yeah. We're going to see that in a few more chapters. I can't wait until you, because when he does 24 elders, there's people singing, and there's choirs and all this stuff. Jesus just can't wait. Just like Mary couldn't wait to show off her son, God can't wait to show off his son because he is powerful. He is almighty. And the devil's no match for him. I can see why the devil don't like revelations. Because he's fixing to get, he's fixing to lose the battle. He's fixing to be put in the pit. And it's fixing to be over for him. And so when he crowns him, the Bible said that there's going to happen one day. And it's going to say crown him. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. Man, that's something we want to get excited about. Revelation 11 and 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world be, are become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and ye shall reign forever and ever. I like to just keep putting ever. Ever and ever and ever and ever. He's going to reign forever. All this garbage we know here on earth will be over. All the, nobody will care about people's political views. 
Nobody will care about what somebody has to say. We need to get that way right now because we already know if you study uh, the book very much, we also, there's going to be the rapture, the bride's going to be there. We're the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And, you know, we can't wait until that happens. The second thing is this book, the book of Revelation, will bring a sense to your suffering. You know, if you've got to go through suffering, I hate going to the dentist, but, you know, he goes, well, if I do this and I grind there and do that and drill right there, then, you know, I can fix that and you, you won't have no more trouble with it. And, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, how long is it going to last? You know, like, can you numb it? <laughs> I'm a big chicken. And, uh, but, you know, I want to know how long it's going to be because I, I don't, the duration, I can take it if I know it's going to end. And it's just like I had to do an MRI one time. I was about 300 pounds, and they put you in this little machine and, you know, you're in it, and if you, if you kind of just look up, you're about an inch from the top of it. And this machine's going, <laughs> you know, just grinding sounds and shaking. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't take this. And so I was laying there real still. He said, be still, be still. And I was laying there, and he, I said, how much longer is it? He said, about 45 minutes. <laughs> I said, I don't think I can do 45 minutes. He goes, well, if I pull you out, we're going to have to start all over. So I laid there and just prayed and got through it. But here's the thing. The book of Revelation will get, make sense to your suffering. I can tell you as a pastor, there's times that I have sat by people and they had no sense to their suffering. I can't understand why God took my husband. Why, why, why? Or, I don't understand why I lost my child. Or, I, I can't understand, you know, why this happened or that happened. And, you know, as a pastor, as all the scriptures know, none of them, you, you just, you're not adequate to understand. You may have been through a few things, but, you know, they're going through it right now. And they, they're just trying to make sense of their suffering. Why, Lord, why? And a lot of times, it won't do us no good to know the why. We just need to know that God's in charge. But the most comforting thing I could tell them is Revelation chapter 24, 21 and 4. And God, and God, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but God will wipe away all your tears from your eyes. And there shall be no more death and no more sorrow and no more crying. Neither shall there be any, of the, any more pain for the former things will be passed away. Amen. And I have to comfort him that a better day is coming. A better day is coming. This is not God's final plan, folks. This is not God's final plan here on earth. Revelation 21 and 4, God is going to redeem all things back to himself. The, the, the second Adam's fixing to take over. We need to know about it. The third thing, the book of Revelation will give us stability. Worship team, you can get ready there. The, we, it will give us stability in chaotic times. Revelation 1 and 8, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. I love the story, and I may have told you before about this seminary. You know, they study in the Bible. They thought they knew everything, and there was a janitor that was sitting there one day, and he was reading the book of Revelation. These seminary students goes, hey, guy, you know what you're reading? He said, yeah, I'm reading the book of Revelation. Well, you understand what it says? The janitor says, I understand enough of what it says. And he said, well, what does it say? The janitor said, it says we win. <laughs> I don't know how well, I don't know how well me and these other pastors will explain the book of Revelation, but I, I promise you we're going to get across the point that we're going to win. We're going to win. That's all there is to it. We're going to win. And so 
Uh, Teresa, I think, alluded to this tight walker name. Uh, his last name was Blondin, Charles Blondin. And he he's famous for walking over Niagara Falls and all kinds of places. One time somebody said, aren't you afraid at that high heights on that little bitty rope? I mean, how do you do it? How do you? And he says, he said, I don't let very many people in on my secrets, but he took them over to the other side. And he said, now look, look and tell me what you see. And he looked across there and he, they finally could see it in view. They said, I see something. Yeah, it's, it's shiny. He said, yeah, it's a star. He said, when I get on that tight rope, I just look to that silver star. And I never take my eyes off that silver star. And I just keep my head up, and I keep looking at the silver star, and I just walk across that rope without fear. I keep balanced that way. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our bright and shining star, and he's coming back. And the book of Revelation will tell you, no matter what chaos is going on on the right side of you, the left side of you, keep your eyes on the morning star, and you'll be okay. You'll be okay. There was a guy, I'm going to close with this. The fourth thing is, is a certain prophecy. These book, this book is a book of prophecy. We're going to learn about some things that are yet to come. And Revelation 1, blessed is he that readeth and keepeth and hears the words of the prophecy. So it is a prophetic book. And there is prophecy. Peter said in chapter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. So he, he was saying it's at hand then. 1 Corinthians 10, 11, now all things have happened unto them. For examples, they are written for our admonition upon the ends of the world are come. They were expecting it then. Philippians said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. James 5 and 8, be ye also patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. That was two millennials ago. The little children, John said, little children, it is time, last time, and as you heard that the Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists. That was back in John's day, whereby we know it is the last day, the last time. We're at the end of that time period right there. We're, I believe, right, we're at the church of Laodicea. We're at the last of the last days of the church age. And it's not long until Jesus comes back. Billy Graham was speaking in Los Angeles in a revival. And there, he, he, his passion and the way he preached the word. Stuart Hamlin, an actor in Hollywood, a songwriter as well. He got saved, and he was good friends with John Wayne. And uh, he went over to John Wayne's house, and he said, you never believe what happened to me. He said, I went to this meeting with Billy Graham, and I listened, and he convinced me, and I turned my life over to Jesus. And John, you know, rough and tough John Wayne, he said, I, I want you to have that experience. And he said, it is no secret what God has done for me and what he's done for me he can do for you he said it's no secret what God can do what he's done for others he can do for you John Wayne goes that'd make a great song so he went back and wrote a song it's a song that we've sung before it is no secret what God can do I think about when Jeff gets up here he talks about coming at Easter service and giving his heart to God and God changed his whole ministry and he never even thought he'd be doing any of this I can tell you the little boy that got off the bus and run down the dirt road that had a speech impediment in first grade that couldn't wait to get home to see 
Superman, that boy never believed that he would be standing up here either. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do for you. Are you ready for God to do something great in you? Let us bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take this book, this powerful book, this mighty book, and that you would reveal Jesus like we need him revealed for these last days. That we would not be afraid, that we would not be worried, but we would see that Jesus is in charge. It's all going to be okay. The last days are here, but it's going to be okay. And God, I pray that if there be one here today that don't know you as their personal Savior, that they would ask you to come in today. Come in today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.